This is episode 483 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Why Understanding the Brutal Reality of the SHTF Could Save Your Life. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 483. Hey, before we get started, I want to let you know I released uh, the weekly version of the Weekly Watchman and Prepper News over on Ed That Matters. And so for those of you that are new and you're not familiar with that, I I haven't talked about it in a while um, I collect uh, several videos from different prophecy teachers, uh, biblical prophecy teachers that I listen to, that I respect, and I post them up on Ed That Matters, kind of like all in one big blog post. So if you are looking for them, and usually these are released like over the weekend, maybe uh, you know Thursday or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, really Sunday, a, a lot of them are, and I just gather them all and put them all in one place. So. Um, it definitely is relevant to those that are Christians and believers and are looking towards the end times, definitely. But the other thing, the other thing I want to point out about it is that a lot of the time, times the preachers or the teachers talk about things that are going on in the world, current events that you don't normally hear about. In the, you definitely don't hear about it in the mainstream media. And then sometimes, even the, in the alternative news media, you don't always hear about these things. You know, the alternative news sometimes gets very focused on one thing and you, you start hearing a lot about one thing for a long time. And so they're looking, you know, with eyes towards, of course, biblical prophecy. But at the same time, they're looking at you know all the different current events because it all all kind of plays into it, and so I just I want to say that because um, I finished listening to Jacob Prash's um, weekly update and I thought it was really good. He talked a little bit about Syria, and he of course he talks about Christmas and you know coming off of the Christmas holidays and all that kind of stuff, and he talks a little bit about that, but then he goes into talking about Syria. And uh, President Trump's, you know, decision to say that we were pulling out and all of that. And I thought he had some really great analysis that I hadn't heard anywhere else. And so I thought it was just really relevant to anyone who is looking at just Middle East current event type things and not necessarily the biblical prophecy, although they hit a lot of just current current events. Anyway, I'm saying that over and over again. But anyway, uh, so if you are, you you are a believer, definitely I would recommend these. Uh, And you can, you know, one of the things that I do is I listen to them while I'm driving. You know, I don't watch the YouTube. I just listen to it. But then, uh, if you are not a believer, if you just want to look at current events from a different perspective, this is one of those opportunities and, and one of those avenues where you can see, you know, different takes and opinions on uh, alternative news and current events that are going on out there. So I'm going to link to it in the show notes if you're interested in going over there and checking it out. I try to do this and release it every 
Monday or Tuesday, kind of just depending on what's going on, and just uh, you know get it out there for others to find one place where they can locate all, all of this information. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from theorganicprepper.com. And I'm going to tell you, this might be a little bit darker. As I was preparing for this one, I was thinking, man, this seems a little bit darker than what I have been doing. Although I've never shied away from different things like this. Um, Daisy is talking a little bit about how bad things can get and how that can affect us and how that can cause us to freeze and not act and react and what we can do beforehand so that when we get to a poop hit the fan scenario, we don't freeze. We're able to move and do what we need to do. And so she's uh, she talks a little bit uh, to Selco, and uh, you are very familiar if you've been if you've listened to the podcast for a while. I read a lot of his articles over from the Organic Prepper that he has uh, shared and written for for Daisy. And so she talks a little bit about him, you know, to him, and asks him a couple of questions, and then uh, you know has a lot of other information to share. So I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then I'm going to come at the end with just a story that came to mind uh, around this situation, all right? So again, coming to us from theorganicprepper.com, why understanding the brutal reality of the SHTF could save your life. There's something incredibly important for your survival that a lot of folks aren't doing. I've written before about overriding your body's natural urge to freeze in panic when something terrible happens, But there's an additional step you must take. You need to know the horrible truth about the SHTF. The ugly, brutal truth. Because as much as we stockpile, go to the shooting range and shoot stationary objects, can vegetables from our garden and raise chickens in our backyards, it only prepares us partially. From my many interviews with guys like Selko and Jose, I know for a fact that an all-out collapse is a dirty, terrifying, and brutal matter of life and death every single day. As much as we wish it was, the SHTF is not about you being in a bubble, peacefully working in your vegetable garden while the world goes to hell around you outside the bubble. The darkness can reach you wherever you are. So why is it so important to know about the bad stuff? Many of us try to insulate ourselves from the dark things going on in the world. I know that I stay away from social media beyond what is required for work because I'm sick of the arguing and the hatred. There are certain articles in the news I hesitate to read because I know they will haunt me. This is human nature. We avoid things that scare us, sicken us, and make us unhappy. But there are some expectations to this rule that you should make. It's incredibly important to know about the horrible things that could occur when the SHTF well before it happens. I asked Selko about this in a conversation we were having about his new book, The Dirty Truth About SHTF Survival. I asked him why people needed to know about the horrors he faced. He replied, So you won't be shocked, and so you can shorten adapting the adapting period while you are shocked. Generally speaking, there are a lot of sick and bad and dangerous people. We just do not see them because the layer of civilization and the system covers it. And of course, if I had known, I would prep more, but in the way that I would invest more in skills, much more than in equipment. Everything is much more mobile and fluid than people expect. But if you understand this, you will be able to move with it faster and sooner. 
All right, guys, I left out my little disclaimer here uh, talking about Soko because Daisy, a lot of the times, she writes the way that he talks. And, of course, English is a second language. And so uh, sometimes that's why the sentences don't flow or they seem a little broken. All right, so continuing on. And that makes sense. I write a lot about the importance of adaptation. I constantly remind people that the three steps to survive or survival are to accept, plan, and act. But trust me when I tell you, if something truly horrifying happens right before your eyes, it's going to be a heck of a lot harder to accept that if you never even dreamed that such an awful thing could happen in real life. But if you've contemplated it, if you're aware of the possibility, it will still be horrible, but you'll be able to keep moving. You won't be frozen in shock. So you need to train yourself not to freeze. Many people freeze in a disaster situation. It's human nature, but the ability to break this paralysis is paramount to your survival. You can train yourself not to freeze by exposing yourself to the things you may experience while in a safe environment. Freezing is called tonic immobility in behavioral science, and it is a biological impulse. A study exploring the freeze response to stressors describes the reaction, and this is a quote, all of this is a quote, Part of Barlow's 2002 description of an adaptive alarm model suggests that a freeze response may occur in some threatening situations. Specifically, freezing or tonic immobility may overwhelm other competing action tendencies. For example, when fleeing or aggressive responses are likely to be ineffective, a freeze response may take place. Similar to the flight-fight response, a freeze response is believed to have adaptive value. In the context of predatory attack, some animals will freeze or play dead. This response, often referred to as tonic immobility, includes motor and vocal inhibition with with an abrupt initiation and cessation. Freezing in the context of an attack seems counterintuitive. However, Tonic immobility may be the best option when the animal perceives little immediate chance of escaping or winning a fight. For example, tonic immobility may be useful when additional attacks are provoked by movement or when immobility may increase the chance of escaping, such as when a predator believes its prey to be dead and releases it. Some of our data suggests that reports of freeze were more highly associated with certain cognitive symptoms of anxiety like confusion, unreality, detached, concentration, inner shakiness. This leads to some very interesting speculation regarding whether freeze responses are also manifested cognitively, that cognitive system together with the behavioral system being shut down. There has been some speculation that a form of cognitive paralysis occurs due to immense cognitive demands that occur in the context of life-threatening situations or stressors. That's end quote. All right, so in the context of this particular study, the freeze response could be related to an overload of stimuli because of the demands of creating your plan. By having thought through various situations and getting into the habit of quickly developing plans, you can override your body's natural desire to freeze and you can take definitive, potentially life-saving action. By exposing yourself to the darkness, you don't inoculate yourself against the horror. That's impossible to do through simply reading a book, but you do take away a little bit of the shock that cause that can cause you to be paralyzed. Okay, so I said I was going to come at the end here. Let me, uh, and I, it's not the story, but I just want to break in a little bit. 
So your mind is very powerful. And if you have ever had a nightmare, which most people listening to the podcast have, you wake up and your heart is racing, you may be sweating, and you feel like when you wake up, you feel like you were actually there. And so your mind can really play games in that scenario. But it's so powerful that you can use it to your advantage. So if you ever watch the Winter Olympics, and I just, I haven't seen sat down to watch the Winter Olympics in a while. But I do, there are times, actually, it's not just the Winter Olympics. It's it's all the Olympics. But uh, if they are focusing, let's say, on an American or they're focusing on somebody that is going to be up and maybe they're, you know, they're up next for the gold and they, they can win the gold or whatever, sometimes you'll see an athlete. And a lot of the times they'll have headphones on. And so, the last time I remember seeing this, it was on a downhill ski, you know, run or whatever. And so the skier was there, they had headphones on, and they were imagining themselves going down the run. And so they're like, okay, so turn two is really tight. I'm going to have to hit that turn here. Turn one or three is here. And I'm going to, you know, I can give a little bit here, you know, those types of things. They're practicing going through that run. Same thing with divers. You know, they'll close their eyes and they're going to that place in their mind where they're seeing themselves do the flip or whatever it is that they're going to do. Or if they're, you know, Olympic athletes that do the routines on the floor and the gymnastics and all that kind of stuff, they're seeing themselves go through the routine and they're doing it correctly. And so they're doing it over and over and that begins to make it, you know, real in your mind, or at least helps you to remember what you're supposed to be doing. Just like you practice your multiplication skills, just like you memorize other things, the same idea applies here. And that's what Daisy is getting at. All right, so let me go ahead and continue. So what made Selko realize that the SHTF was actually there? We've all read and learned a great deal from Selko, and he shares his stories with such calmness that sometimes you don't fully grasp the horror of what he lived through. I asked him what the event was that opened his eyes to the fact that he was stuck in hell on earth and his answer was chilling. Quote, when I saw people killing for fun, killing without reason, killing with no concern about punishment or the law, throwing others from a 10-story building out of curiosity to see if they'd live while taking bets on it. Of course, they were sure they were going to die, but they said, I bet you'll survive, and if you do, we'll let you go. It was a joke to them, end quote. That's when he knew that everything had changed and that there were new rules to living. It was simply not the same world he'd woken up a few days before. A while back, I asked Selko to send me a copy of everything he'd ever written so that I could pull together a reality check for the rest of us. Over the years, he's written nearly a quarter of a million words of memories, articles, and advice. Together, we selected the things that provided a glimpse into the day-to-day events of the SHTF. You can learn more about the results of that here in his new book, The Dark Secrets of SHTF Survival. So there's a link there. All right, so back on topic. Do you have a potential predator living next door? Do you know people in real life who you think would turn into predators if they knew that there was no risk of punishment? If they knew that they wouldn't go to prison because the prisons were gone, if they knew there was no 911 or law enforcement to help their victims. I do. I've known people in the past that I'm quite certain would be the kind of animals 
who kill men and cage their women and daughters for their own sick amusement if they thought they could get away with it. I've had people write to me about their plans to take other people's preps or to take care of someone who had done them wrong in the past when it all hits the fan. They're out there. There are neighbors, our coworkers, the random guy who is in town on business, the person with such strong political beliefs that he sees people who think differently as the enemy. They may not even realize that they're waiting for this chance, but when the opportunity presents itself and there's no real risk to them, you can be sure they'll jump at it with glee and you want to be ready for them. So there are different levels for which we prepare. Are people going to be running around brutally slaughtering their neighbors the next time we have a snowstorm or a hurricane? Of course not, because we still have the veneer of civilization and it isn't going to shatter over a weather event when help is just a few days away. There are many different types of events for which we prepare. We as preppers want to be ready for everything from being stranded in our car due to a winter run-in with a deer, to a multi-day power outage at home, to a job loss that causes great personal financial distress, to a full-on SHTF event in which all hell breaks loose. We aren't like the folks on the show Doomsday Preppers who are presented as only preparing for a giant meteor or a deadly pandemic that will wipe out 98% of the Earth's population. We are the people who want to be ready for everything, up to and including SHTF. So sometimes I think we're on the brink of darkness. We're at a dark point in American history right now. I'm not saying that we are about to face a civil war like the one that Selko endured, but I'm also not saying that we are free of any risk of such a thing. Tensions, as I write frequently, are at a real high right now. Our socio-political scene is a true nightmare studded with extremists who sincerely see the others as the enemy. They surround the homes of spokespeople and threaten their families. They rally, united in hatred against one another. They battle it out for and against the admission of immigrants, and things are increasingly heated. Every time there is a questionable verdict, we're on the brink. Every time there is an appointment to office in Washington, D.C., we're on the brink. Every time there is an election, we're on the brink. Civil debates are a thing of the past. People are enraged when others disagree with them, and they react with hatred, not discussion. It's really not a stretch of the imagination to predict that our nation could be headed to a very dark place. And if this is true, you're going to want, no, you're going to need to be prepared for the ugliness and brutality that comes with that. Knowing just how bad things can get will prepare you to take the steps that you must to survive. Knowing how twisted and evil that people can be will help you to take that necessary step to protect your family. Knowing what to expect when you defend yourself with necessary force can help you to carry through if it's something that you must do. So check out Selko's new book, The Dark Secrets of SHTF Survival, and keep reading because this is the stuff you need to know if we face a collapse or civil war. All right, so that last, you know, that last little section there, just thinking uh, we've had a, a discussion or at least you know, a little bit of sharing about the yellow vest uh, situation that's going on in France. So I've kind of been monitoring that. I've been you know, just kind of keeping my eyes on that and open on that. And so I noticed that things really, um, there, there was a scene where things were really crazy and chaotic. And so I shared that on the Facebook group and then, you know, somebody else, I believe Stephen shared out that things are, are starting to ratchet up in, in England, right? 
And so, you know, other people said, hey, if it was to ever come to America, that that yellow vest would probably that protest would probably be hijacked by, you know, Antifa and different things like that. So there's a little bit of a discussion over there. I'm glad it hasn't gotten gotten into like all politics and stuff like that. But it's more along the lines of, hey, this is something that we should be aware of and keep our eyes open because things can go kind of kind of crazy kind of fast. Right. One minute protests are nice and peaceful and the next things start getting out of control. And if you will notice, you're not hearing about it anywhere. You're not seeing it. I mean, I haven't even seen it like on the Drudge Report or really on Fox News. It's like if there's nothing else, they'll bring that out. But, you know, I've seen it on Twitter and I see uh, a few people that are, you know, in the, the Patriot movement and stuff like that, that I'm friends with on Facebook. I'm seeing it like in their feeds and then in groups and things like that. And so I try to share it to uh, the Prepper website, Facebook group. Um, well, I did that today. Right. And so hopefully, uh, you know, we're just kind of keeping our eyes open. I think it's very important because like Daisy was re- was writing here. People are and things are at a, a fever pitch, right, where people are at each other's throats. People are just, you know, are on extremes of, of the political aisle and they don't care about anything else. There's no true discussion. There's just like, hey, we hate you and you hate us and we're just going to go at it. And we're just going to it's almost kind of like there's pins and needles until the straw, the you know, the breaks the, the camel's back. Right. And so, uh, you know, I don't again, I don't want to be all dark and everything on that, but uh, we keep our eyes open. I mean, that's that's always been my thing ever since I really got into preparedness and even started a prepper website is just keep your eyes open and be paying attention, not living in fear, but paying attention so that you can make good decisions. It's kind of like what uh, Daisy was saying. So let me end with a little story that I was thinking about as I was preparing for this podcast episode. I was thinking about a time when uh, my dad uh, had some property in East Texas when we were younger. So he, the property he has now is different than the one that he had back then. And, uh, and we were kind of spoiled. We had a whole house and we had all the conveniences, but we still had, you know, it was in East Texas in the woods and it was you know, fun and all that kind of stuff. Well, when I was young and I probably was about maybe eight or nine, I had my brother was probably about six, six years old, seven years old around there. One summer, uh, my dad, you know, so we all went down for the weekend and then dad left and he went back to, to work and we stayed there and I had some cousins there and stuff like that. Well, we had a burn barrel and, you know, we just kind of burned stuff there and we really didn't pay any attention to anything like that. But we all had BB guns and we were all stupid and all that kind of stuff. And so at some point, somebody with a BB gun must have shot one of the gas tanks and they had a hole in it. So my little brother, which he shouldn't have been doing this anyway, and we should have been smarter than that, but he was pouring gas into the burn barrel to go ahead and light that fire. And so what he didn't realize is there was a little bit of fire, maybe a little bit, some coals down on the bottom. As he was pouring that gas into the burn barrel, because of the hole from the the BB gun or the pellet gun, Some of the gas ran down his arm and he wasn't paying attention. I mean, he's young. And as that fire came up from the bottom of the burn barrel, you know, and uh, followed the stream going to the gas tank, it lit his whole arm on fire. And so 
when you talk about freezing, I, I know because I can remember freezing, seeing him, you know, with his with his hand on or his whole arm on fire. And it was just one of those things is like I couldn't move. And, you know, being an older brother, I'm like, you know, still a younger brother. You want to beat him up and all that kind of stuff. But still, you know, your brother's his whole arm is on fire. And you you hear about these types of things in school and all that kind of stuff. My brother knew enough to stop and roll around on the ground finally. But, you know, at first he was he was panicking as well. But I remember just not being able to move. And then he finally you know, he finally, you know, he was rolling around, he was screaming, he was rolling around, he, he put the fire out, my mom came running out, and so they immediately started taking care of that, and I finally kind of snapped out of it, and so the gasoline, uh, or the the plastic gas tank, I, I guess, I, I don't know how we had a plastic gas tank back then, but whatever, um, that was kind of on fire, and so I put that out, and went inside to try to help out as much as possible, but he had severe second degree burns into some third degree burns and man he had some pain and uh, just it was terrible terrible I hated hated seeing him uh, go through that um, and he had scars you know for for a long time now now you know we're older and stuff like that but I'm gonna have to ask him next time I see him if he has any scars because I don't I haven't seen any scars I don't remember seeing any scars and so uh, maybe there's a, a small little place or whatever but um, you know, it was one of those things where you could freeze. Now, of course, now that I am a father, I have kids and, and those types of things. I, I know that if something like that was to happen, I would be moving a lot faster just because parent, you know, parent stuff goes into parent mode goes into effect and you start dealing with that and you, and, and you start taking care of, uh, of things that way. But uh, this this idea of not freezing is so important. So if you can think through some of these scenarios of what possibly could happen, and it, you know, you might go to a dark place. And if you find yourself doing that, you've got to remember that you're doing it so that you don't fear, so that you don't freeze. You're doing it for a good reason. And if you have nightmares and dreams like that, don't don't be doing it right before you go to bed. Definitely, right? So I don't know how that would manage, how you would manage those types of things. That's one reason why I like scenarios when I do uh, when I read an article about you know some type of scenario. There is a website that does a lot of active shooter training scenarios, and I like posting those on uh, on Prepper website because you you know it gives you an idea of what you, sh- you could be thinking about and thinking through. And so that's why I always like you know scenario types of things. It, it helps you to to think things through. So anyway, guys, I'm going to link to this in the show notes like always. So you can go ahead and come over here and maybe click on the links here for the book if you're interested in that. Or also just reread this and think about some of the things maybe that you might cause you to freeze, right? And and that you don't want to be you don't want to do that in a very serious situation, an emergency situation. You want to be able to act and respond very, very quickly. So um, you know, go check that out. All right, everyone, that is it for episode 483. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.